Good morning. So if you have your Bibles, if you could please turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. In today's message, we're going to be looking at the powerful life-transforming effect that the life, death, and resurrection has, of Jesus has on us personally, and really how it has changed the world in which we live. Um, this morning, Ife Balogan is going to be reading the text in English and in her tribal language, Yoruba, and because we serve a global God, and his gospel is a global message. So let's listen as Ife shares, reads the word in both English and Yoruba. Through 21, I read. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you to be on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'll also be reading from my local dialect, Yoruba language. I read. Ayori si bubu e yini pe, lati igba yilo, awa kotuni uwe nike nini yuwuti edamo. Nikba kan yuwuti edani anwo kristi, shubo akutu uwebe mo. E yini pe, nikba atye nike niba waninu kristi, odi edatutun, onwa tijoti koje lo, ibi aye iru enibe si ditutun. Isi ala unli e yilati iberedi okmi, onwuni oti lawa nija. Well, we are ready to pass Christi. Oh, we cannot live to find one. Ishaya is a Jashi. Ishaya no nipe. Ola ono wa ninu Christi. On la jala ani araye ati arare. Koka ono iwa ishede de mosi molo. Ositi wa ositi wa fioro ilaja le walo wo. Netorino. Aji asuju fun Christi. Oda biyani pe awani ola ono lu lati fibeni. Afiyoru kwa kristi benye, eba ola onore, kristi kudeshe, si be ni tori wa. Ola onu soo di okan kwe lue de eleshe, ki ali di olo dudu ni waju ola onye pare. May God bless the reading of his word. Isn't that wonderful to hear God's word read in another language? Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing our great Redeemer's praise. It would be wonderful to be able to do that. But God is being praised in languages around the world this morning. We're gonna, we're gonna stick to English today here. Um, but I wanna ask you, begin by asking a question. Have you ever had uh, an experience in life where you're going along and something happens and it changes your perspective? You're, you're, just something significant happens and you begin to see the world differently. Have you ever had that kind of an experience where just you, you get up and it's just, it, things are different. I had that kind of experience uh, on March 3rd, 1988. Uh, that was the day that our first son was born. 
And when I held my son in my hands, um, I felt a deep love, a jealous love, a fatherly love that I had never experienced in my life before. And I remember um, attending church that Sunday and singing about the fatherhood of God. And I sang about it differently than I did before. Now, that's, that's a small experience. It's a small in comparison to the, the change that we're going to read about in our text this morning. But when we, um, in our text, Paul's describing something that not only alters the way the Apostle Paul sees the world, but in fact, it fundamentally changes our world. What Jesus has done through his life, his death, and his resurrection has changed the way people, the way we are able to relate to God. It's an incredible thing. And it's, it's not cliche to say that Jesus Christ and what he has done has changed everything. It's not a cliche. But let's get personal. You know, for those of us who have received him, for those of us who have believed in him, and, G and what, you, what Jesus Christ has done, he's done something inside of us. He's changed us inwardly from the inside out. He's made us, if you will, completely new. He's filled us with his spirit and he's changed everything about us. The way we see the world, the way we relate to God, and the way that we relate to other human beings. It's, we're, it's all different now when we come to know Jesus Christ. So what are these changes? How has God brought them about? And what difference does it make in our lives? Let's begin with what are these changes? If you look with me in your uh, Bibles to chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. And the first uh, part is, what are these changes? In Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. In Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. So here's what the word of God says. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you remember last week, Vince explained how even um, from how Christ's death changes what we live for. And if you look, look in your Bibles right there at verse 15, right before the text this week, Paul reminds us that we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who for our sake died and was raised. Jesus Christ came to the earth. He lived a perfect life. He died and he was raised from the dead. Paul says now, so therefore... We, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, Paul uses this word flesh in a particular way, and it's important we understand it if we're going to understand this text. He's not talking about the sinful nature now. That's one way that he uses the word flesh. But when he uses it here, he's using it in the sense of the way the world thinks, the way the world evaluates things according to a human point of view, by the standards of this passing world, the kind of judgment that people make of one another on superficial things, if you will. Yeah, things like, they, things that can be significant, but it's not the ultimate determinant things. Things like outward appearance, national origin, social status, intellectual ability, physical attributes, or as the Corinthians were doing, basing, evaluating people on, based on their spiritual gifts. That's evaluating or judging people according to the flesh. That's the way these Corinthians were evaluating Paul. They were saying, this guy's not a very good speaker. He's not that great a leader. There are better leaders and we want to follow them. We don't really like Paul and his message. Paul says, no, in light of what Christ has done, we don't use these standards of evaluation anymore. Things have changed. I used to 
he used to think of Jesus as a failed Messiah. He thought him, he was a, he was a guy who thought he was something significant, but he ended up being crucified and hanged on a tree. And, and as a Jew, he knew that that meant that he was cursed by God and he was a failed Messiah. So he was going around persecuting the church. He was going around, he actually stood there when Stephen was killed and, and gave approval to what was happening. And that's, he was regarding Christ as from a, a, according to the flesh. He was saying that Jesus is just a guy who died and now his followers are going crazy. So on behalf of the religious officials, I'm going to go around and I'm going to persecute them. And um, on the way to Damascus, he encountered Jesus Christ, the living, resurrected Jesus Christ. And after that, everything changed. He realized Jesus was not a failed Messiah. He was a living Messiah, excuse me. And he was God's chosen king, who through his death and resurrection changes everything. And he received Jesus as his king there. And as a result, he had an entirely new way of seeing the world. He surrendered his life to Christ and he was completely changed. That's why it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Listen to these words, creation, new creation, old, passed away. New has come, old is gone. He's made new from the inside out. His perspective on Jesus Christ has changed. And so his perspective on everything in the world changes. With Jesus as his king, now his identity centers on being a follower of Christ. He's no longer held prisoner by his sin. He's not trying to get right with God through his actions and his works. He's been made a new creation by the filling of the Holy Spirit. This doesn't mean he ceases to be a Jew from Tarsus. He is, and he was, and that affects how he follows Christ, just like the way we are, where we come from, affects the way we follow Christ. But it's a new way of seeing people. It's a new way of seeing himself. It's a new way of seeing the world. In the past, he saw the world by his own standards, by his own judgments. He made the judgments of who Jesus Christ is. Now, he was submitted to him as his king. In Christ, he is a new creation. And if you're in Christ today, you're a new, cre new creation. You've been made new. And you should see the world through the lens of that new creation, that identity that is yours and it's important we recognize, if you, if, particularly if you're here this morning and you haven't made Jesus Christ your king. Because if Jesus Christ is not your king, something else is your king. We all have kings in our lives. We all either judge him according to his identity as Messiah or we judge him according to our own assessments. So, but if you are in Christ, you've been made new. And, and you should think of yourself as a new creature, filled with the spirit, your heart's been changed, you've been a new heart. And you're like that restaurant, that old dingy restaurant that was bought and refurbished and it's beautiful and has a great menu and you come in and the sign says, under new management. That's us in Christ, we're under new management. Okay, that's the change that Jesus brings, but how does he do it? How does he bring about these changes in our lives? So let's, let's go to our text. Um, what did Jesus do when he came to earth that enables us to experience new creation life, if you will? And this leads us to point two. In Jesus Christ, we are reconciled to God. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, from this, uh, I'm going to just focus on the first part of verse 18 and 19 and verse 21. So it's 18a, 19a, and 21. 
And uh, I, on the screen, you'll see it. I underline these portions of the text. Look, look what it says there. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And then here's this verse. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, reconciliation is kind of one of those big words, those four-syllable words, if you will. And um, unless we understand it, it's, it doesn't really make much sense to us. So let's slow down for a second. Reconciliation is a, it's a word about relationships. It's, it's, it's bringing people together. But if, if you don't realize that you're apart, it doesn't mean that much. Let me just, like, like if you heard... If you heard that uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were reconciled and they were planning a vacation with their families together and having dinner together, you wouldn't think that was a big deal, right? Because they work together. But if I told you Joe Biden and Donald Trump were planning vacation together and they were planning dinner as families together, you'd say, whoa, something has happened. Something has to happen for that to happen. This is not a political statement. I'm not making any point here politically. But you understand the concept, right? People who are separated, estranged, alienated from one another, being brought together. For reconciliation to take place, there must be a broken relationship. There must be alienation and people must be at odds. And I, I just want to be honest. I think most of us and most of the world doesn't like to think of themselves at odds with God. The world does not like to think of itself as God's enemies. Isn't that true? How many times do you hear, we are all God's children? God is love and he loves us all equally. We want to believe that. We want to believe that God's not a judge and he simply, the world does. It, we, he simply overlooks our sins because he's so loving and kind. But that's not what the Bible teaches. If you believe that, please listen, listen carefully. Because what the Bible explains that when we live our lives with ourselves as king or something other than God as the king of our lives, where in fact what is referred to as God's enemies. Colossians 1, 21 describes the church. Paul's writing to the church at Colossae there and he describes what the Colossians were like before they knew Christ. And he says, you were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. When our deeds are done for the glory of another, they alienate us with sin. This is what we are apart from Christ. In Romans, it says we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. It's because we're all born in sin and it's because we all sin. And sin affects our relationship with God in a, a, in a broke, it breaks our relationship with God. It, it's, it's impossible for us to be reconciled with God because God is a God of justice. And that means he must punish every sin that is ever committed. That's Glorious good news, if we've been sinned against, it's not as pleasant when we think about our own sins. He's got to punish every sin that we've ever committed. And that's, our, that's, the, that's the standing of every human being apart from Christ. Alienated, enemies of God, not reconciled with God. Jesus, and Jesus told his disciples again and again, he had to go to the cross. The cross was necessary so they could die for the sins of his people. And so if you are reading your Bible 
and you want to think of Jesus as just a good person or a good philosopher or a good teacher, the Bible and Jesus don't leave you with that option. It's not, it's not an option. You can't just think of Jesus as a good guy. It's like C.S. Lewis said, he's either a liar because he said he was the divine son of God who died for the sins of the world, or because he, he didn't, or he's a lunatic because he said those things and he actually believed them, but he wasn't, or he's actually the Lord, the divine son of God. Those are the, the only three options available to us. So how does God solve this problem? How does he make us new? Look at our text. It's right there. Look at verse 18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. In verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. What? Didn't we just say God's a God of justice? How can God not count their sins against them? Not count their sins against them? How, can that, how is that possible when he's a God of justice and he must punish sins? Well, verse 21 answers this question as clearly as any text in the entirety of the Bible. And it's breathtaking. This is one of those scriptures that I, I really dare say we, every one of us should have memorized and keep it in our hearts and keep it before ourselves daily. Read verse 21. Would you just do this with me? Read verse 21 aloud with me. Let's, let's read it aloud together. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? Here's how he doesn't count our sins against us. He puts them on Jesus Christ. This is holy ground, brothers and sisters. This is how we stand reconciled to God. If you're watching from home or you're here this morning, Please listen to what God's word says. For our sake, for our sake, for your sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. You know, ever since the fall of the world, the world has been under a curse of sin, pandemics, crises, death, war, all these things because of human sin. How does God deal with it? He made him who knew no sin to be sin. Jesus Christ, the divine son of God, came to the earth and lived a life of perfect obedience. He was God's chosen king. He told his disciples he was going to die and be raised. He trained them so that they would not only experience this new kingdom, but transfer it to the next generation. But they didn't understand why he had to die. That's why they kept saying, you don't have, remember Peter in Matthew 16, he says, you don't have to die, Jesus. Stop saying that stuff. But he said, no, that's not the kind of king I am. I'm not the reigning king. I'm a servant king. And I didn't come to be served. But I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And that many is us. That many is all his people through all the centuries who have believed in his name. He's given us the right to be called children of God. And that's why we can have reconciliation with God because the only sinless human being who ever walked this planet, who ever lived was beaten, scourged and hung on a cross where he bore sin. He did not become sin. He bore our sin on that cross. 
That's how can God cannot count our sin against us. But that's not all. We need to be made right with God. We don't just need to have our sins forgiven. We need to be made right with him. So when it says that, so we might become the righteousness of God, it's referring to his perfect obedience. That's, that's his perfect obedience. Christ never sins. And since he fulfilled God's commands, when we trust in him, when we believe in what he's done for us on our behalf, he takes our sins. If this is us, we're sin. This is him. He takes our sins. And then he gives us his righteousness, his perfect obedience. He takes our sins and takes credit for them on the cross. And then he credits us with his perfect obedience. It's what the theologians call the double exchange. Praise God. Glory to God. That's how we're able to have peace with God. That's how we're able to be reconciled with God. That's how now that we have the Holy Spirit, we can have a relationship with him and call him father and speak to him and get to know him. And as we learned in chapter uh, three, we can be transformed from one degree of glory to another as we meditate upon him, as we fellowship with him, as we get to know him and we serve him in our lives. And all this became effective for the apostle Paul, just like us when we say, I believe that Christ he, not, he, he loved me and he gave himself for me. That's how it becomes effective. When you say, Jesus Christ did this for me. It's one thing to say Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. It's another thing to say he died for my sins. And that's what each of us has to do if we're going to be reconciled to God. And that's why we no longer, that's why we could pray. That's why Kathy could pray earlier. Because we no longer regard people according to the flesh. Now we're a new creation now, we retain our ethnic identities, as Mark said in his introduction to the prayer, but we're all together in Christ. We're a family of God. And we put on display the love of God and the love of Christ. And that's how God has done this. So in Jesus Christ, God makes us completely new. He does this by reconciling the world to him through the work of Jesus Christ. But what difference does this make in our lives? In order, this, in order to answer this, we need to look at what Paul says about how God makes this amazing work known to the world. For if this is truly life-changing news, how does the world find out about it? Look with me again at verses 18 and 19, but we're going to just cover verse 20 here. It says, and you notice I underlined a different part of the text this time. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled with God. Now, Paul says he's been given the ministry of reconciliation. When God was in Christ, not counting their sins against them, he gave them the message of reconciliation, the ministry and the message of reconciliation. This message of reconciliation is simply, it's a real, this is not complicated, friends. This is the message of the gospel. It's the words he uses to describe what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. It's testifying who Jesus Christ is, how he came in fulfillment of the scriptures, how he died on that cross for the sins of men and women, and then inviting them to come and believe and to turn from their self-rule, to stop regarding Christ according to the flesh anymore, 
and make, them, make him your king. That's the message of reconciliation. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul described himself and his fellow, ambas- fellow workers as ambassadors. Look at verse 20 again. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Ambassadors are representatives of the king and those in authority. And because they're commissioned for the assignment, they represent the the sender. In rabbinic Judaism, there was a saying that said this, the one who is sent is as the one who sent him. The one who is sent. So that's why Paul can say as an ambassador for Christ, God is making his appeal through us. Think about that. That's an incredible thought, isn't it? When Paul is sharing the gospel, actually God is speaking to the world. He's telling the world that Jesus Christ has changed everything. And he wants you to know that and he wants you to experience that. He wants you to know the love of Christ personally so that you can be a worshiper of Jesus Christ. God making his, that's one of those verses you stop and think about. God making his appeal through us. Paul, the apostles, the other eyewitnesses, they were entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. Remember, Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go into the world, to the ends of the earth, and make disciples, teaching them all that I've taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were ambassadors for Christ. Now, you know this is the part of the message where we apply it. And uh, this is, I'm gonna ask a simple question here. And I'm, I'm not expecting an answer. I don't want you to answer quickly. I want you to actually think about it with me. Who are Christ's ambassadors today? Who does Christ commission to, for God to make his appeal to the world through them? And I, I think we all know the right answer. We don't wanna be like that kid in, Children's ministry that raised hand. Jesus, it's not Jesus on this one, but you know, we, we just, we know the answer. But I think when we talk about sharing the gospel, the reality is we all feel like we're inadequate. We all feel like we don't do enough. We all don't really like the idea of going to people and telling them about a crucified Messiah in the Middle East 2000 years ago, when we're talking to someone in our workplace at NIH or something like that, or in the military or wherever we work, because it, it's kind of like, it's, it's, a, it's a foreign message, isn't it? It's kind of hard. And, and we often wonder, worry about what are they gonna say to me? What, someone else can do this better. And I think deep down, isn't it true? We all hope the world gets evangelized, but isn't it true we hope the evangelists do it? We want the people with the gift let those people do it. I'm, not, I'm just a regular Joe, man. God can't expect me to do what someone else is doing. Let, let Stephanie and Christo do it. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's just the reality. And, and I, I, I think I, I just, I, because that's a reality, I think it's good for us to stop and say, um, how are we going to fulfill this role? How are we going to do this? What has Christ called us to? And what does he give us to make us able to do it? And I really do think, you know, because I I have preached on this passage a few times before. And and when I was younger, I would just charge people, you need to be ambassadors, speak for Christ, you know. But 
But as I was thinking about this and praying about this and talking to some people about it this week, I just thought, I don't think that really helps people. Because <laughs> I think they know they're ambassadors for Christ. I think, as, and I was praying about this yesterday, and I was praying, Spirit, what? I just, I felt God, we need to slow down. We need to stop. And we need to pray. And we need to pray about what Jesus Christ has done privately. We need to pray together. We need to think and meditate on what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We need to let it grip our hearts. We need to be thankful. We need to be amazed. We need to be, uns we need to be at a loss for words. And we need to give thanks and praise and offer worship to our God for what he's done in Christ Jesus for us. I think that's the starting point of being ambassadors. I think that's the only way we're ever going to be effective ambassadors if we're doing that in our hearts and our minds. Because when we're there, when we're seated kneeling at the cross of Christ, giving thanks to the Father for what he's done and sending his son, that's where the love of Christ fills our hearts. And remember what Jesus said, by this all men will know you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another. And we love only because he first loved us. Well, where do we see that love most powerfully revealed? In the cross. And as we meditate on that cross, and then we start to think of the implications of what's happening in the world around us when there are people all around us who Jesus Christ is not their king. That's when we can start to pray for them and say, we're not praying for them to become a member of our church or to become a Christian. We're coming, we're praying for them to know the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we want them to know. We want them to know Jesus Christ came to the earth and shed his blood on your behalf, we implore you, be reconciled to God. That's why the Apostle Paul said, we implore you. It's not just like a passing thing. He's been so gripped by this that he's imploring people with everything in him, be reconciled to God. That's how he feels about it because that's how he thinks about it. Brothers and sisters, we have been commissioned. We are Christ's ambassadors. When we were plunged into that water of baptism, we declared we've died to this world and we've been raised to newness of life and the Holy Spirit has filled us. And now as that great missionary hymn, I don't know if you ever heard it, we rest on thee. We go into the world. We go into the world with the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, giving us words to speak and love to express through the truth of the gospel. We rest on thee, our shield and our defender. We go not forth alone against the foe. Strong in thy strength, safe in thy keeping tender. We rest on thee, and in thy name we go. That's the hymn they sang at Jim, Jim Elliott's commissioning. And he went into the Ecuadorian jungle and died for Christ. We want to go into Fairfax, all Maryland, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth and live for Christ and tell others about him. This is our vision statement as a church. Our vision is to be a community that exalts, displays, and declares the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. We want to be displaying and declaring the gospel. We display it by loving one another and telling people about it. We all, then our mission statement is this. We go into the world with good news to make and equip growing disciples of Jesus Christ. And this morning, by sitting here and participating in this message and listening, you are 
participating in the mission of Jesus Christ. You're being equipped. You're hearing the word of God. That's great. We're, we are part, we're doing the mission right now. This is the mission. But we're going to leave the building and we're going to go into a network of relationships in our neighborhoods. And some of us will go see our family members. Some of us will uh, maybe go to work, you know. Uh, but we have these network of relationships that are filled with people who regard Christ according to the flesh. They think that they can sit in judgment of Jesus Christ. And I don't say that in an arrogant way. It's just a fact. They sit and they say, he's just a good teacher. He's a good guy, but that stuff's not for me. And so what do we do? We need to be on our knees. And we need to be talking to them, befriending them, celebrating the good grace that we have in common life together. And then when the time comes, and I, I shared this the last time I spoke, and I'm doing it again because I think it, it bears repeating, we need to at some point break the sound barrier with them. And breaking the sound barrier means, it doesn't mean you have to share the whole gospel in one sitting, but it means that you let people know that you're Christian and that Jesus Christ is really important to you and that you think what he's done is the most important thing in the world. At some point, you gotta let people know. And let's do that, brothers and sisters. Let's, in our relational networks, let people know we're Christians, we love Jesus, and we'd love to tell them about Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter says, be, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Hopefully, if we're living for Christ, people are gonna ask us questions. <laughs> why do you have peace? Why do you, why do you love your wife? after 30 years? Why do you love your husband? Why do you, you know, I, I was actually, I snuck into the women's breakfast uh, yes, yesterday morning. You know, sorry. I was in the back, but I heard Martha share a testimony and I heard her speak about her husband and things that she said after 30 plus years of marriage were just remarkable. Just one little part of the meeting, but I was just remarkable only because of the God, grace of God. And she'll tell you that. She said it in the meeting this night. The grace of God. Breaking the sound barrier. Let's do that. And I just want to, uh, before we close, if, if you're sitting here and you've not received this message of reconciliation, the message of the gospel, and um, so many, maybe some of the things I'm saying here, they don't really apply to you. you they don't relate to them. You kind of... You're judging them like you judge Jesus Christ. You think he's just an okay guy. I just want to urge you, be reconciled to God. You're not at peace with God. If you have not received Christ as your savior, if you're not living for him as your king, if you've not believed in his name, you're at odds with God. And I say that as his ambassador, not in any arrogant way. And I just urge you, be reconciled to God. If you're watching online and you haven't received Christ as your savior, be reconciled to God. And if you wanna talk about that at any point, or if you wanna go through the Bible together, any of us would be happy to do that with you. Just start by reading a gospel, read the gospel of Mark and go through it and, and learn about who Jesus is and what he came to do. And we'll be happy to do that with you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you wanna do that, I would be happy to go through the Bible with you. I do want to close by reminding you what Mark said earlier. Um, I don't have one in my hands, but Mark will have one later. You saw it when he held it up, that invitation to Good Friday and Easter. You know, one of the things that's a fact, it's just a fact, and it's a little, probably a little bit different this year because of the pandemic, but many people will come to church on Christmas and Easter when they won't come any other time of year. 
That's really one of the reasons we have two services is because we want you to feel free to invite guests. That's, that's really a critical reason why we're having two services because we want you to invite people. They'll hear the gospel on Easter morning and we're celebrating the resurrection, the life-changing work of Jesus Christ. And if you have people you know who regard Christ according to the flesh, invite them to come out. And then you'll have something to talk with them about. It's a great thing to do. Just think about that. Think about doing that. And if you can, pray about it. Let's just pray, clo close our time in prayer here. And let's, um, let's just ask God to give us his heart. Let's ask God to give us his heart. Heavenly Father, how can we thank you? How can we begin to thank you for what you've done for us? The sinless son of God sent to earth to live a life of obedience and suffering. He knew what it is to hunger. He knew what it is to grieve. He knew what it was to feel pain. And yet he was willing to give up his life as a ransom for our sins. And Lord, you accepted that sacrifice by raising him from the dead. Thank you. We thank you, God. We are unspeakably grateful for what you've done for us. And Lord, we do just pray for us as a congregation. Lord, we, we have so many opportunities in front of us. We're joining together with Sojourn now and becoming one new church. Lord, we just pray, help us to love each other well. Help us to love our families well. Help us to live in the gospel grace of life that we're rejoicing with you. Lord, help us to live for you. And Lord, help us to represent you. Help us to be your ambassadors. Help us to be so enthralled with the gospel that we can't help but speak about it to those who don't know you. And we pray, Lord, that you would increase the questions so people would ask us, what is the reason for the hope that is in you? And Lord, that we would be a people who would give answers with gentleness and respect, but with clear authority from the one who sent us and implore people to be reconciled to God. Lord, we just pray. We ask you for conversions in our church. We cry out to you, Lord, give us conversions. We want to see people reconciled to you through the ministry of the gospel here in the name of Jesus. Amen.